Welcome to the Heart Soul Wisdom Podcast, a journey of self-discovery and transformation. Moira Sutton and her amazing guests share real-life stories, tools, and strategies to inspire and empower you to create and live your best life. Come along on the journey and finally blast through any fears, obstacles, and challenges that have held you back in the past so you can live your life with the joy, passion, and happiness that you desire. Now, here's your host, Create the Life You Love Empowerment Life Coach, Moira Sutton. Welcome to Episode 15, Shifting from Chaos to Clarity, with our special guest, transformational coach and artist, Maura Joy Lustig. Maura is a transformational mindset coach, and she believes that each one of us has a special gift within us that deserves to shine. She feels that when we discover this gift and realize what's truly possible for us, we have the ability to create our best life. Using her signature seven-step process, Convert Chaos to Clarity, she supports women in transforming into their extraordinary essence. Mora works with women between the ages of 40 and 65 who may be experiencing a crisis in their health, a relationship problem, or in their career. They may be struggling with overwhelm, feeling shut down or powerless, and they're ready to break free and live the life they truly love. Mora helps them to rekindle their desires, gain confidence and clarity and take a powerful stand for their life. They celebrate their uniqueness, discover their joy, and embody their passion for living. Wow. So without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Maura Joy Lusting. Welcome, Maura. Thank you very much, Maura. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, you were part of this journey a long time ago, weren't you? <laughs> Yes, I was. <laughs> yes, this was so heart, soul, wisdom, and it was filmed live, not this way with our Zoom now, which wasn't even around. And we looked at your art and you described your passion back then. So I'm so happy to have you back on. Well, thank you. And I'm looking forward to, to talking about all these things with you. Yes, it's going to be fun. And this is a heartfelt conversation. So we we'll just let it flow and it'll be awesome. I <coughs> Excuse me. I want to start with a famous quote that I found just before our interview from best-selling author, Irma Bonbit. And it's, she stated, when I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left, that I could say I used everything you gave me. Now, that for me segued into my first question with you, Maura, that how does someone discover their unique gifts and realize what, what is truly possible for them so they can create and live their best life? Oh, I, I love that quote from Irma. And, you know, one of the things I like to say is that uh, they're going to have to drag me off the dance floor kicking and screaming. <laughs> you know, I want to squeeze, squeeze every juicy drop out of life. And, yeah, and, uh, you know, another favorite quote of mine, something that I actually heard for the first time at a turning point many years ago, was, was this one from The Shoes of the Fisherman by Morris West. It is, it costs so much to be a full human being that there are very few who have the courage or the enlightenment to pay the price. One has to abandon altogether the search for security and reach out to the risk of living with both arms. 
One has to embrace the world like a lover, yet demand no easy return of love. One has to accept pain as a condition of, of existence. And one has to court doubt and darkness as the cost of knowing. And the last line of it is, one needs a will stubborn in conflict, but apt always to the total acceptance of every consequence of living and dying. Uh, when I first heard that, I thought, I get it. Yeah, yeah, you have to be willing to say yes to opportunity, then figure out how. You have to figure out what you love to do and then do it on purpose. Yeah. I, I'm just taking that in. I, I saw that it is a quote that you love from uh, excerpt from the shoes of the fisherman. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Sorry, my little throat doing its thing. Do you feel that that everyone courts doubt and darkness in their life and they have to go through that to come out the other side for knowing? Yeah, I mean, we, uh, if, you're, if you're not, what's that expression? If you're not, not living life on the edge, you're taking up too much space. If you're not experimenting, if you're not open, if you're not learning, if you're not curious, then the alternative is complacency, apathy, and boredom. And that's a form of slow death. Uh, you know, and, and it's just a reality that when you feel the butterflies, that's when you're actually playing full out. That's when you're stepping into life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So how does someone discover these unique gifts that we have? As we're saying, we don't want to die with our gifts and our song, you know, left within us. Yes. How do they realize that? How do you help people do that? Well, you, you just notice what you love to do. You know, start becoming self-aware about the things that trigger you, that, you know, you feel impatient with versus the things that give you joy and excite you and that you lean into and want to do more of. It's, it's, it's a feeling thing that can also be intellectualized. And then you look to attract and to connect with the people who are like you that enjoy those things as well. How does somebody develop the, that courage to take action in the direction of their goals if they have these doubts and the fears that are they're coming up saying, no, you can't do that. You can't have that. Someone else can, but not you, Susie Jo. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're so right. There's so many people that don't live into their potential. Um, I mean, you're making me think of Marianne Williamson's quote, you know, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. It's that we're powerful beyond mm -hmm. measure. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so on. Um when like there's two sides to this coin it's about saying yes to what you love and saying no to what you find intolerable uh and i like to you know say we don't get what we desire we get our standards we get what we tolerate and the only way you can get clear on what you know what should be a yes or a no in your life is when you're clear on what your core values are on what it is that you stand for for yourself as well as what you take a stand for in the world and, you know, people that have low self-esteem, uh, you know, you've heard me talk about the, my focus is on helping women to build self-esteem through self-care, that so many women put themselves last. And the, the key is learning how self-care is actually a responsibility, an obligation, not an indulgence. It's not a selfish act. It's taking care of you so that you can in turn be your best for others. And, you know, when you help a woman do that, when a woman steps into owning uh, what she truly loves and then what she is, uh, has to offer and then consistently acts on that, oh, my goodness, her world changes. So, again, this is a growth mindset. And setting healthy boundaries is something a lot of my clients have difficulty with. And they have obstacles and they, they start to see that 
they're spiraling down at times, they're repeating patterns. So I have a process I take them through to break through that to the other side and permanently shift their beliefs and their patterns or habits and goals. Again, how do you do that? Well, part of it is then so many people are afraid to be alone. And so when you can become, first of all, become self-aware, mm-hmm. it's that you, you start to pay attention to what it is that you are like triggered by, what it is that you do when you're triggered, how you're interacting, how you like, you know, one of my favorite books is the four agreements by Michelle mm-hmm. Louise. And that's something that I use for teaching as a, as a system for helping people move forward is that those four agreements that are, you know, first of all, being impeccable with your word and knowing how powerful what you say is people don't, don't often recognize just how, Im- how much impact their words have both to others as, as well as when they make a promise to themselves and if they don't keep it. And, and then, you know, about taking things personally. Uh, over and over through the years, of course, we all encounter different challenges, and the older we get, the more challenges we've had. And for me, what I've learned consistently is, you know, is not taking it personally, not making assumptions, and letting go of expectations. Stop shooting on ourselves and on others, right? And, and just doing your best, and your best is good enough, darn it. And so, but being honest with yourself about whether it's your best and then lighten up people that take themselves so seriously, they think it's the end of the world when they make a mistake or they don't, they don't get that, that raise or that job or that relationship instead of saying, no, today is just today. <laughs> so, you know, mindfulness and meditation are great tools, uh, developing consistent morning rituals, habits that uh, build self-awareness, build health. Uh, there's just a lot of different strategies we can implement reading. I mean, leaders are readers. So it's like, you know, what do you do with your free time? Is it spent in front of a TV or is it spent growing and learning and expanding and, and connecting with others? Uh, travel, things that will inspire, enlighten and empower you in different ways. And of course, art. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple of things there I want to dive into with your answer with that. One is when you talk about leaders our readers, I love that. So how does someone consciously choose how they desire to experience their life and lead with their heart, not with their, their heads? Because I think leaders lead with their heart. Yeah, the best leaders do. They understand that it's relationships at the end of the day. That, you know, when you look back on your life, it'll be who did I love? Who did I serve? Uh, did I, you know, do I feel that my life mattered? Uh, you know, who was I loved by? Those are the, that's the trail of breadcrumbs that matters most, not how much we made or how many things we owned or, or lost along the way. It's how you feel, right? And, and memories. I mean, you know, as we get older, uh, perhaps it becomes less easy to travel and do the things we might have done when we were younger. So what becomes so important are the memories and being able to draw upon gratitude uh, looking uh, consistently every day, drawing upon gratitude for the things in our lives. And they may be small. It'll be about extra- celebrating the extraordinary in the ordinary. And then around those memories that we can lock and load and then sip on like a fine wine when we need to, uh, you know, when we, um, different experiences in our lives, different turning points, whether it's family related, friends, travel, moments of achievement, uh, climbing a mountaintop or watching or being there when a baby's born. All of those things are the memories we can sip on. And so really life should be about creating memories that last. 
So you both, both yourself and your husband and my husband, myself, we all, we have a passion for travel and cultures and Mm -hmm. exploring the world. And right now we can't do this because in the moment in history, you know, we're going through individually and global major, major transformation. And there's a lot of people out there feeling a lot of pain and hurt and anger and Mm -hmm. doubt and frustration. How can you share an exercise that could help people master these emotions and turn these feelings of anger, fear, doubt, pain into love? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, falling in love with what is, isn't easy, but it is a decision. It's uh, accepting that where we're at is, uh, and you know, that doesn't make it permanent either. It's simply what's happening now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no point in second guessing the future. And there's no point in having regret about the past. You can remember it, but watch it. Watch exactly what emotion you choose to experience when you remember things. And you get to rewrite the past when you become self-aware around how you remember it. And I, I, I love to, you know, follow uh, things like um, Abraham Hicks, for instance, where like my most important task is to align my emotions with what I want, with my desires. And then from there, find the least resistant thoughts around it and then act on the inspired thoughts that arise. And when you do that, when you realize that everything actually will result from your state and not the other way around, that you actually can control the outcome by controlling who you're being in the matter. Uh, Like when I say control, I mean, you have influence, you have impact. And to do that consistently and to have certain affirmations that you, you do and to have certain rituals actually around self-care with, with your mindset. Like for me, I love to go forest bathing uh, where I walk into the forest and I instantly go into a certain mindset while I'm there and become very aware of every leaf, every dapple of light, uh, the different things that literally feed my soul. Just as much as I fuel my body, I fuel my soul. And that then means that I can pour into others. And you know, the, the thing about heart, the biggest lesson, again, I said it before, is not taking things personally. Uh, take responsibility, absolutely, if you can. If there's something that you're, you're saying, hey, what was my unintended impact here? Oh, okay, I guess I could have done that differently. But beyond that, you know, there's no point in beating yourself up because the moment's already gone. Instead, it should be, okay, well, I wonder what's going on in them you know, let's say you've had a negative converse, uh, interaction with someone. I wonder what's going on in their lives that causes them to be this way right now, rather than making it be all about you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, a few things from that. You know, one thing um, I have this from Wayne Dyer, I like, let go, let God, mm-hmm. whatever God is, universe, you know, higher self, whatever that is for the person. But, but that let the process of letting go and allowing, even when I feel it in my body right now, there's an expansion and I don't have to figure it out. I can give it up and put whatever worry or if I have anxiety or concerns or I don't know the how, I put it in the hands of God or the universe. And then, like you said, I love that too, that when people, circumstances, opportunities show up in our life or guidance, take inspired action in spirit mm-hmm. and take that action. Don't let it go by. You know, let take that action because that's you saying yes. And also that when we're saying when we're in a difficult time, I love again the phrase, this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. And to remind us of this is just a moment in time. And, you know, we, which time isn't really, it's something we measure, but it's not really in reality. One of the things that I I do every morning, 
is a, a very short page of journaling. And it's nice to do it again as a recap at night, but at the very least, I always do it each morning. And it's literally just one page and it's got three components to it. Uh, one is uh, gratitudes, the other is power thoughts, and then the third section is today. And in, in the power thoughts, there are certain things that I repeat every day and then things that I add to it. And the things that I always write are something wonderful is about to happen. Answers and help come when I least expect it. Doors are opening. Things always work out in the end. Momentum is building whether I see it or not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's amazing what that does for you when you when you lean into that and you trust it because it is true. And and it shifts your focus your focus right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. those are great to do power thoughts every day i do meditate every day it's mm -hmm. a prayer slash meditation mm -hmm. both are incorporated and i read inspiration material every day and that's a non-negotiable for me because it's, i love it yeah it's it's my time it's to get free focus so i can show up in a show up for myself and then show up for the people i serve my family and like you're saying, get out of your own way. Don't make it personal because <laughs> most people, they have their own stuff going on. That's right. What are some of the myths that you share that keep someone in that stuck and powerless state? I know we've talked about the stuck and powerless before, but how do you help women shift into the state of confidence and greater health and well-being? So let's dive into the myths first. Well, so many people think that they're not enough. I mean, we're all uh, you know, endowed with that one at some time. Where we, you know we, we and we are a work in progress. <laughs> we we have our our moments, good and bad, and it's about you know as you said, like what do you do to pull up when you start to spin down, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's that becoming aware, immediately becoming aware of of first of all, if you notice what's going on in your body, and say, oh, isn't that interesting? And then you know, kind of examine it, hold it up to the light. It, you know, in that movie that uh, Tom Hanks just did about Mr. Rogers, there was one line in it that I loved. He said, "Whatever, it's only what can't be spoken about that can't be managed." So it's really about what we're aware of, that we don't blindly, automatically, by default, fall into. That when you are aware, then you have choice. So then, what can you do? Well, then there's different things you can do rather than you know, because you know, especially now with COVID and people being isolated and working from home and and kids being at home and parents trying to work and take care of kids and homeschool. Like it's just very stressful for many people. And of course, jobs being lost, incomes being cut, people that are extroverts being more sequestered and finding that very difficult because a lot of events have been canceled and people are shifting to online. Right? There's just so many adjustments that are being made. And it's, well, how do, I, how do I maintain my state in spite of that, right? It's that the daily rituals, it is the tapping in to whatever the new normal is. Rather than just saying, oh, poor me, and isn't the, this really sucks, it would be, okay, all right. So, the, you know, who moved my cheese? Okay, my cheese isn't in the same spot anymore, but that doesn't mean there's not enough cheese to go around. It's, 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 it's how do I adjust my sale? And, you know, plugging into... Uh, online tools and connections. And then like, okay, the gym, the gym shut down. There's a good example. And it has reopened, but I haven't gone back and many others haven't either. Instead, I developed a new routine around exercise. You know, some people just decided they would stop exercising. And then yet there are others, many of them like myself, who simply said, okay, I'm going to bike. I'm going to walk every day. I'm going to do some exercises at home. And as a result, I've maintained my health and my food. I haven't succumbed to the temptation to constantly comfort eating. 
and, and binging and stress eating. That hasn't happened for me because I have all of these systems in place for self-care. Mm-hmm. A lot of people too, um, I've created programs around eating during this time where people who do have a problem with that. And so that's been a gift for them to create this program to help people in those areas. Well, it's funny you should mention that because, you know, that's one of the things that happened for me during COVID. It's like, okay, not able to go to the meetings the same way anymore. Uh, what, what can I, well, and, and what are the systems that I draw? And of course, I turned that into a program that I could offer to other women as well about, you know, being able to manage their state, converting the chaos to clarity, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Can you share three key steps for women to do that, convert their chaos into a state of clarity and focus? Well, the first is to become self-aware, mm-hmm. right? And the second is to um, practice the self-care around the journaling mindset and the uh, exercise, the hydration, the fueling, the connecting piece, the continually growing and learning, uh, not just sliding back, but actually saying, okay, what do I need to do that's different to be able to still continue to find joy and plan ahead. I mean, we may not be traveling now, but I've already got my next trip prepared for next year because Mm -hmm. I am trusting in the process that uh, this too shall pass. And when it does, I mean, I'm not the only one that's already planning their trips for next year and the pent up demand for this is going to be incredible. And yes, we'll be doing it intelligently with COVID restrictions in place, whatever's necessary, and it'll still be incredible. So our souls love to be curious, and it's all, it is about expansion and love and creativity. And one of your passions is in caustic art. I want you to explain what that is and how would a beginner's mind set up their own studio space, get started, mm-hmm. and use this as a tool for them to move into that space of creativity and expansion and bring their talents out? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, first, let me tell you how I found Acoustic. Uh, it was at a time where I had shifted careers. Uh, I find many encaustic artists like myself are people who've used a lot of other techniques and mediums first. Maybe they've painted with oil or acrylic or watercolor or, or pottery or uh, craft work or sewing and different like they, they've, they're artists perhaps in other ways, or they may not have touched a paintbrush of any kind since high school. Okay, so there's from one end to the other. And for me, I mean, I had left a career in financial planning and uh, decided to pursue my art and was exploring it um, and discovered this technique that I've never heard of before, which is surprising because it's two, 3,000 years old, where you're painting with molten wax. And caustic is a Greek word meaning to heat and to burn. And it, what they're doing is you're, you're melting um, a pot of hot wax uh, with pigment and resin mixed into it. So it's, it's a wax paint. And you're melting that to 150 degrees and maintaining it at that temperature. And then you're applying it to um, a canvas with a paintbrush and then, or, or, you know, metal tools. And then you're, um, you're fusing it and you're manipulating and spreading it around with either a heat gun, a blowtorch or a hot iron. And you can incorporate different um, textures and properties into it. You can build up layers The wax is translucent, it's fragrant, it's all natural because of the beeswax and there's the negative ions. Uh, uh, It's just an incredibly interesting, challenging and rewarding technique to play with. It draws on um, your your curiosity, 
your um, playfulness and it forces you to let go of all expectation because it's different from anything you've ever done before. And yet familiar also a lot of fun. Mm, it sounds like that. I, I would like ask to me where they could learn. Uh, well, there's a number of ways. I mean, certainly you could Google it. E-N-C-A-U-S-T-I-C. Encaustic is the word. You could uh, Now, what I did when I first began was I took a workshop uh, with a local artist and then uh, ended up taking a five-day workshop with her in the U.S. Now, that's not happening these days the same way, right? Those are temporarily on hold. But I, I started attending conferences every year after that to connect with other people that were using this medium and coming in from all over the world. Currently, uh, what I do is I offer workshops in my studio for it, just small groups. And people can also just get an idea of what that looks like by going to my websites. Uh, so I've got one that's uh, just dedicated for the painting workshops. So there's a number of ways that people can look at it. Mm-hmm. So I, I talk about being a hot mess, about coming and painting with wax and discovering your inner child and being amazed at what you create, because they always come away with epiphanies, aha moments around themselves and their own ability and what's possible in life. It goes far beyond the art. Mm -hmm. Because you state that life is art, you are the canvas. Mm -hmm. So give me an example of one of the students that came and got into this and immersed themselves. And who were they before? And what what was their aha moments? What were their takeaways and the results? Mm -hmm. I've had a number of women who've come uh, make comments like, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't think I had that in me. And, and this is fun <laughs> because, you know, art is something that on our own, as we get older, we tend to put on the back shelf because it's not going to make money, generally speaking. Uh, we don't see it as a career option, most of us. And it is something that we don't see as just starting ourselves from scratch. We usually picture it as being sort of, uh, you know, when we're in kids in school and taking an art class, right? So what happens is when, when these women come to my studio for a class and many of them are professional women they've got careers and stuff some are semi-retired but not you know they're at all different stages i've had younger women in university come as well anyways what what i've seen happen now a number of times is and one woman was actually in tears she was just thrilled she said i actually haven't picked up a paintbrush since high school and i never thought i was creative i just came because everybody else was coming and i said what the heck and and she had the biggest aha And then other women who actually have dabbled quite a bit in art in different medium say, oh, this is cool. I can see so many different things that I can do now uh, that I can incorporate my knowledge from other techniques into this and take it in a new direction. And one woman decided she was going to invest fully and went bought herself all the equipment she needs so that she can now paint at home and, you know, continue to, to stay connected with me and learn more from me, but also paint on her own and not just come to my studio. Yeah, and I think a lot of people later in their life, you hear about artists and authors and you know mm-hmm. writers that they they explore that then because they've been doing that nine to five job maybe all their life, looking after their family, and now yeah. they have some time to really say, what 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 do I want to explore? What what new thing do I want to do? What brings me joy? Well, and Moira, there's just something magical about encaustic. I'll, I'll just, I'm going to put the, the, just say it right out loud. I mean, I've painted with everything else first. I've experimented with different things and nothing gives me the joy that this does. And it's hard to explain why, but over and over, I see that happen with the people that come and take a workshop is they have these, these uh, eye opening moments and going, Oh, this is cool. <laughs> 
it's just so different from anything they've done before. And it's because you can't control this kind of a paint the same way you can control others. It, it makes them become much more self-aware of, of, of their own mindset around their own, you know, perfectionist attitude around things around like it really, it's like, it's, it's helping people become self-aware in different ways than they ever expected. Mm, that, that's beautiful. And I want to segue into choice points in our life, because again, I've been an entrepreneur for over 30 years. And now I'm at a point right now that I love the work I'm doing. I love the show that I brought back to life and, you know, writing and the rest of it. But we have choice points in our life at different segments. And you talk about how people can use moments as pivot points to create the life they love. Expand on your pivot points versus my choice points. Or do you see it as the same? Well, you can tell me in a minute. I give you one of my pivot points. You can give me one of yours. Uh, for me, a pivot point was um, when I decided to become a coach. I had been a certified financial planner. I had left that, even though I loved relationships and helping people around the topics that mattered most to them. I hated uh, filling out paperwork, and I didn't enjoy number crunching. And I had done it for 17 years, and I had reached a point where I just decided I didn't want to do that anymore. And I went into my art. And doing my art and getting into galleries and exhibitions and things, um, I noticed a pattern in who was buying my work. And they were writers. They were coaches. They were doctors. They were public speakers and so on. And I became curious. So I took a workshop on an introduction to coaching so I would understand my so-called target market better. And that's where I had a huge epiphany. I had this turning point moment. I was the second one in a year because, you know, my husband had said, go ahead and let go of the other, of the financial planning. We'll figure this out. I had gone into the art and then noticed this pattern. And then that led to the coaching piece. And from that point on, there was no looking back because now I, I, I went full tilt, threw myself into all of the coaching training and everything around neuroscience and NLP and everything else, right? It just one door led to another as I kept expanding on my ability to coach and help other people shift their mindset and create their best life. And mm -hmm. the art never, never got left behind. It sort of stayed as a piece of that because that's one of the things that's so unique about me. And it's how I see the world is through the eyes of an artist and I help others access their own creativity, whatever that looks like for them. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, for sure. And, and that's sort of my story also. When I became an entrepreneur 30 years ago, I liked uh, to travel, always have. And I wanted to ski and take Fridays off and make long weekends instead of, you know, I had a four-day sort of contract, then I took the weekend off. And I dove into, first, Personal Best was my first uh, company, and that was all computers. I used to be really good at behind the, the scene kind of computers. Then I went into the healing field and did so much training in that area and, mm. of course, coaching in that. Now, you brought up, so very similar, you brought up the um, the part that you're studied in about neuroscience can you expand on that for our listeners well I'm not quite sure where, how to answer that question because it's such a huge, huge it is. topic uh but it is an understanding about you know the reptilian brain and uh working in the frontal lobe and how that develops over time and at a certain age so that only like and i well i will segue with that into what it means to be an elder because that's where you now have more access to the frontal lobe than you did as a younger person. And it's an evolution. And as a woman, we go through these different seasons in our lives. 
And now I'm at that stage where, you know, I'm past the reproductive stage. I'm past the, the needing to, to, to be this big success in the world. Instead, I get to step into the role of elder to become more of a sage. And that doesn't mean I, you know, I'm in any way slowing down. For my, to my mind, life begins at 60. <laughs> this is where, this is the most fun of any stage I've ever been at. I think I love that the elder and the sage and yeah, this is what the most freedom is. Yeah, yes, and and along with that is something that I know that you work with is our health and well being is Mm -hmm. number one. If you don't have your health and well being, you you can't live your life. That's right. Your first health is your wealth. Yes, yes. I said that wrong. Your first wealth is your health. There, I got it right now. (laughs) You know, in Eckhart Tolle's book, "A New Earth: Awakening to Your Life's Purpose." He shares with us about our inner purpose, our beingness. That's so important. But we also have our outer purpose, where that you talked about values, how we align with our core values. And I'm wondering how, you know, what would you what would you put there? What, what's the secret to living your best life? If you were going to come up with a wisdom gem, that's what I like to call them. To literally this connect with this inner beingness, and you know, and what we use what form we use for us to awaken and live our best life another big question for you Maura, but i know you can handle it well, yeah but i'm going to answer it with seemingly glib answers so just bear with me on this i mean this i love the quote where you know what the secret to a long and happy marriage is <laughs> and that is a short memory and a sense of humor <laughs> you know like there is no big mystery to this it, it isn't this big secret right uh the same thing goes for ourselves like be happy with less You know, it's about not continually yearning and craving. It's about learning how to quite literally celebrate the extraordinary and the ordinary. Uh, That doesn't mean we stop wanting things. There's nothing wrong with having desire and wanting to become better and do more with life. But there's a difference between needing more and simply wanting more. And what gives us access to that, to be playful with life, is an imagination that can soar to to have that combination of gratitude and imagination and expectation without being attached to the outcome. Mm -hmm. Those things, I mean, they really are gold. And if you can become self-aware and check in continually, where am I at in the process? If I'm feeling down, what is it? What do I need to pull up? Will, Will Robinson pull up? You know, it's like pull out of the spiral and and notice where you're at and shift it because you can. And nobody else can do it for you. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like if you want to lose weight and you say, you know, oh, Anna, can you go work out at the gym or go for a walk for me? I'm just going to sit here on the couch, but you do the work (laughs) and, and you know, you have to do the work. It's all about doing the work and imagination. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I love the the quote that, you know, is imagination is more powerful than knowledge because it's literally the preview of life's coming attraction. And, and I just yep, love that yep. because it's yep. when you can imagine children know how to do that, you know, That's right. we've lost that. And to get back to, like you're saying, the joyful, playful yeah. way of being and but, just be in that moment with the gratitude of life that you have. Life is magical. And we don't have to wait for a crisis mm-hmm. to happen. Let it be a health crisis or a financial That's crisis. Right for to wake up you can wake up today you can i mean that's where you can find your inner power through art 
by accessing imagination. And the one other thing I would answer to you is about the four stages that, for transformation. For someone, because you mentioned the gym as an example, and you were so right, you know, it's, you can't just, you know, buy a membership. You have to actually <laughs> show up. And when you show up, it's going to be tough at first. And you're going to hate it. And you're going to feel self-conscious if you're out of shape and others are regular gym goers. And, and it's about lightening up, not judging yourself, but just being glad you're there, congratulating yourself on what you are doing. And do the do. Trust the process. There are these four stages. The first is excitement when we've got a new idea. And we're, we're thinking, yes, I'm finally going to do this, whether it's starting a course at school or new relationship or a new job or a new diet or whatever, or joining the gym. All these things. A new recipe. Fun. I love to cook. New recipe. So Okay, well, there you go. But then the, but the next piece to that is immediately know that all the doubt's going to come up because your old track that you've been running in your head, your old beliefs, your old habits are still there. They haven't been changed yet. You're just trying on something new in that moment of excitement and anticipation and hope. It's the fear that will instantly sabotage you and you'll come up with the doubts of why did you think you could do this? You've never done it before. You've always failed, blah, blah, the things that will pull you down, right? So it's knowing that that's normal is such a relief for most people because they never, they always thought it was just them, that they were justified in what they really think they can't do. (laughs) And then it's, so it's about suspending that disbelief as soon as you recognize it and then stepping into the void into the just doing the do, following the instructions, uh, letting go of self-judgment in the process because you are not who you are going to be. And you're not who you were, but you're no longer, you know, you're in that limbo state and you must continue to follow through on the process because ultimately you will become a new version of yourself. The new identity will form. As you said, the cake will be baked. As long as you don't mess up the recipe, you just follow the instructions along the way. It goes from a beautiful picture in a cookbook to this beautiful piece on the table that everybody digs into and says, yum. How does somebody develop willpower to literally transform old habits and beliefs and that? How, how do they develop that inner willpower? Well, you've heard the expression that, uh, you know, obstacles are the things we see when we take our eyes off our why. Uh, when your why is so clear and you know people only change when the fear was when the pain of remaining the same is greater than Mm -hmm. the fear of something new so so it's it's really that it's that when your your why is so vivid that the 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 it's like you you got to get off the hot stove it's time to jump off the stove and and get into the pool uh you know because you're scared of the cold water but you got to jump anyways because the stove's too hot It's that. It's the cat in a hot tin roof. That's when people change. And that's when they, as long as they understand there is a system that's going to kick in that then, and that's why, you know, it's not enough to just join a gym and just show up. You have to hire a personal trainer in the beginning to hold you capable and accountable and support you and and help you tweak your program to get it right. So that they're giving you the encouragement and they're helping you get the results. These are just like, there's no mystery to this. But why don't more people do it? Be, you know, for a number of reasons. But it's about timing in our lives as well. And, you know, that expression, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I also think it's taking one step at a time and being kind to yourself and, you know, get rid of a blame game or judgment Mm -hmm. game or expectation, Mm -hmm. because the idea of going into the void can be very scary for a lot of people where I know like meditation, as you know, when you go into that quietness and you connect up with something bigger than yourself and you have that vision, you know, that can be a scary thing. So I think in some cases, yes, like somebody to be there for them to hold their hand at the beginning, but then not be there forever for them. Like That's right. allow them to yeah. empower themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Treat you know, it like a parent. You know, your parents becomes more of a friend and a mentor later. In the beginning, they're your teacher. And, you know, they're holding you capable and accountable every day as when you're a child. But later their role changes. And a good mentor will do the same. I think about, if you think back on school and who your favorite teachers were that really stood out for you, what was it that they did? It was the way they encouraged you, the way they saw greatness and potential in you, the way they they just guided you a little bit when you needed it most. I love that because I think back to university and Mm -hmm. I had this prof who we'd all go get a coffee or tea or Mm -hmm. lemon water and we'd go sit and it was in coaches where we were meeting and he asked something once and I, I remember answering and I'm a little chunker, little things, all little things add up for me. It's an, you know, this is an NLP term versus a big chunker. I, I look at all the little things and at school I used to highlight everything because I thought it was important. Um, and I still have some of that, the way I think and talk, even my family I say, where are you going with that Moira? And I'm like, no, it's important. It's important, you know, but there is, there is a something to the way that I speak, but this one teacher, he asked something and I remember putting my hand up and talking with the response of whatever I said. But I went on and I was very comfortable because he allowed, he created a space that was safe, that we could say whatever we were thinking. And at the end he said, Moira, that's very, very interesting. I don't know what it has to do with what I was talking about, but he says, thank you for sharing. And just to give that permission to me when I was in my early 20s, you know, to be able to explore in a safe place and for people not to judge or anything, to to grow in, in that area. So that's yeah. a great idea to think back who your teachers were. The adjective I would give him is he was kind. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. One of yeah. my favorite teachers was my Latin teacher back in grade eight who uh, brought the language to life for all of us and encouraged and incited such a, an excitement in the class of students wanting to compete in a friendly manner and learn and stand up and recite out loud. And uh, she gave prizes. She, she just, she would have us taking the roles of, of the different characters, say in the, the, um, the volcano, uh, Pompeii, uh, when Vesuvius erupted. She brought it to life in a way that's still vivid for me. I, can, I ended up majoring in languages as a result. I, I know. And I, I can even, when you're talking, I can imagine and see it and yeah. envision it. And I do go to Pompeii. It's quite oh. the... Yeah, so I've been there in real life. So cool. Maura, this has been wonderful. Can you share with our listeners today this unique gift that you've created for them? And also, I want everybody to know that all the links to reach Maura, how you can reach her, and this gift will be below the episode in the show notes. Well, I would invite your, your, your listeners to uh, tap into a video called Find Your Inner Power Through Art, in which I talk about creativity, journaling, uh, like there's different forms of journals. There's regular journaling and creativity journaling. So it's how art can um, inspire and, and empower you to live your best life. Mm-hmm. 
That that's perfect because you know that's that's what this show's about. <laughs> so that's totally in alignment with that. And I think you're also we're going to uh, give a link to is there such a thing as overnight success? And your answer is no. So we'll give that to them too. And thank you very much. That's very generous. In that article, I talk about the different stages of transformation that I touched on earlier. That'll be helpful for them to see. Yes, for sure. Laura, thank you for sharing from your heart and soul today, your wisdom on shifting from chaos to clarity and that life is truly an art form. And each one of us, we have our own canvas and we can create and live our best lives on our terms. Namaste. Thank you very much, Moira. Thank you for listening to the Heart Soul Wisdom Podcast with Moira Sutton. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please join our community at moirasutton.com and continue the discussion on our Facebook page, Create the Life You Love. You will be part of a global movement connecting with other heart-centered people who are consciously creating the life they love on their own terms. Together, we can raise our consciousness for the greater good of humanity and for our planet.